welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. Hello and welcome to Film Geezers Podcast. I'm Rob Warren. I was joined, as always, by Cheeto. Hello. And today we're going to do part two, which is probably going to turn out to be three parts yeah. uh, of our Batman special. Uh, last week we covered the, um, the initial, Burton yeah. Schumacher films. And this, this week we're going to cover the uh, Dark Knight trilogy and Batman v Superman. Um, so... Like I said last week, you don't you know you don't have to have listened to last week's episode to, no. to know what's going on this week because they are standalone episodes. Um, they're not part of a trilogy series. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I say I'd never, I I didn't really have a lot of history with Batman. I never read any of the comic books. So yeah. My only introduction to Batman was the '89 film mm. and the three subsequent films. Um, so when Batman and Robin really bombed at the box office in 97, uh, as George Clooney himself said, said that he felt it killed the franchise, there weren't any more films made for another eight years. Because I think initially Warner Brothers had planned two more sequels. Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, we'll cover that in next week's episode, which is going to be about the, the failed um, Batman films. Mm. So... We'll start with Batman Begins, yeah, two thousand and five, mm. written by Christopher Nolan, David S. Goyer, and directed by Christian Nolan, Christopher Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> it stars Christian Bell as Bruce Wayne, stroke Batman, who got the part. He actually, um, I think it was year two thousand. He was given a, a comic, Batman Year One, by a friend, and read it, loved it so much. He told his agent that keep their ear out if they hear of somebody making a Batman film mm. he wants to be in that's how much so he was actually a fan of the comic yeah. books before he I, I think as well he he liked the character of Batman because yeah. he he's like a troubled soul mm-hmm. and how he wasn't the finished article and he had, you know he, he wages war with these deep deep demons mm-hmm. every single day um, just he's got so many layers to it. I think Christian yeah. Bale really liked that yeah um, also stars Killian Murphy as Scarecrow and now Killian Murphy actually auditioned for the part didn't he yeah um, that's not one of your later notes is it okay <laughs> we'll skip over that Mark Kine Mark Wine as uh, Alfred Pennyworth Katie Helms as Rachel Dawes now Rachel Dawes doesn't actually appear in any of the comics no. but she was written specifically for this this film yeah um, and they manufactured this, this um, storyline where she is a childhood She's actually a, a, the daughter of one of the Wayne's um, servants. Yeah. And they're sort of childhood friends. Um, so they grew up together. Gary Oldman as James Gordon. And Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul. Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. And Tom Wilkinson as Carmine Falcone. Now, I think Gary Oldman was the last person to be cast in the film. And they thought it'd be good because he normally plays bad guys. And they thought that it might be a nice twist. Are oh, you covered this as well? <laughs> okay, skip over that again. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just stick to your nose. I'm not, I'm not trying. <laughs> do, do, do you know where yeah. on the pot? So a young Bruce Wayne travels to the Far East, where he's trained in the martial arts by Henry Ducard. Wow. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna bleach my eyes after that. <laughs> a member of the mysterious League of Shadows. When Ducard reveals the League's true purpose. 
the complete destruction of Gotham City, Wayne returns to Gotham intent on cleaning up the city without resorting to murder. With the help of Alfred, his loyal butler, and Lucius Fox, a tech expert at Wayne Enterprises, Batman is born. Yeah. So, Nolan, um, he'd achieved success um, with the director of Memento and Insomnia in 2000, 2002. And Insomnia proved that Nolan could handle a medium-budget studio film working with big stars because he built Al Pacino, who's bigger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, bring it on schedule and produce a critical commercial hit. So when Nolan was looking for another project, he was seen as a young director studios would be willing to work with. He approached Warner Brothers with a proposal for a new Batman film, one of the franchises owned by the studio, which had gathered dust for several years due to the failure of Batman and Robin in 1997. The studio liked Nolan's proposed idea and hired him to direct the film. Nolan and Goya began development on the film in the early 2003 aiming for a darker, more realistic tone compared to the previous films. A primary goal for their vision was to engage the audience's emotional investment in both Batman and Bruce Wayne identities of the lead character. And that's exactly yeah. what he's so done, it's it? basically get back to roots, wasn't it? Yeah. And say, let's get rid of all this sort of campy shit that was going on before. Yeah. We, we want to get back to that Batman's darker roots, more gritty, How it should be, more real. Been, yeah. um, and it's, I think it's... You might have covered this later on in your notes. Well... He, he tried to to um, not use CGI, didn't he? Where he could, yeah. so it's a lot of it is practical effects. And, he loves and his miniatures practical effects, and, yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and try and try and get rid of the CGI mm. stuff. So uh, no film had ever covered the origin story of the Cape Crusader. Even in the comics, there was no explanation of how Bruce Wayne became Batman. Sure, we knew his parents were gunned down in an alley by a small-time criminal called Joe Chill. And this incident was certainly a defining moment in his life, which propelled him towards the life of a nocturnal crime fighter. So you see that in the film where his parents are gunned down by Joe Chill. Yeah. And that is... Because um, obviously he comes to trial. It must be years later that he comes to trial. It was about eight... No, seven years, I yeah. think it was, yeah. Um, and the young Bruce is... He's, he's planning, essentially, this is a spoiler if you've not seen him, but he's planning on going to the trial to represent his family but he's also going to try and kill Joe Chill yeah but one of Carmine Falcao and his men gets there before him and he realises that um, as Bruce Wayne you know there's no way that he can take revenge yeah. against people because I know Rachel says <coughs> uh, says that it, yeah he can get revenge but it's not going to make him feel any better is it yeah when they're in the car together and that's when he reveals that he was gonna yeah. go and, and kill him. And then he, he goes meets Falcone, and then he just disappears. Yeah, and ends up in where, where we see him in what is presumably a Chinese prison, where he's visited by um, Razagul. Razagul. Well, Henry Ducard at, at the time. Yeah, the film was principally shot in the United Kingdom, Iceland, and Chicago, and it relied heavily on traditional stunts, like we said before and miniature effects, with CGI being used in minimal capacity compared to other action films. The comic book storylines such as The Man Who Falls, Batman Year One, Batman The Long Halloween served as inspiration. Now, I, I believe as well that Nolan didn't have a second unit on this film. He didn't, know, So he, he did all that himself. Yeah. So every shot you see was directed by Christopher Nolan, yeah. which is quite unusual, really. Mm. So... Christian Bale um, was relatively unknown when cast 
before he was confirmed on September the 11th, 2003, having expressed interest in the role since Darren Aronofsky was planning his own film adaptation. Ian Bailey, Henry Cavill, Billy Crudrup, uh, Hugh, sorry, Crudrup, Crudrup. <laughs> I, I was getting his name wrong. I was <laughs> Hugh Dancy, Jake Gyllenhaal, Joshua Jackson, Heath Ledger, David Boreanaz and Killian Murphy, who later cast Dr. Jonathan Crane on Scarecrow, took interest in it as well. Um, Josh Hartner met with no one about the role, but decided against pursuing it. Well, I think he was a studio was he was choice, yeah. wasn't he, Josh Hartner? But yeah. then they felt that maybe he was too a little bit, bit like a bit like Michael Keaton. He came from more from a comedy background. Yeah, he would, he would not suit Batman. Yeah. And I don't know if there was a backlash about it. Oh, yeah, probably loads of internet stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. Um, Amy Adams served as a casting reader for the casting of Bruce Wayne Batman in a favour to the casting director. Bell felt the previous films underused Batman's character, overplaying the villains instead. To best pose as Batman, Bell studied graphic novels and illustrations of the superhero. Director Nolan said of Bell, he has ex- exactly the balance of darkness and light that we're looking for. Goy stated that while some actors would play a great Bruce Wayne or a great Batman, Bell could portray both radically different personalities. Since he lost a great deal of weight in preparation for his role in The Machinist, Bell hired a personal trainer to help him gain 100 pounds of muscle in the span of only a couple of months to help him physically prepare for the role. After realising he went over by 30 pounds, he lost the excess weight by the time filming began. Bell trained in Wing Chun Kung Fu under Eric Oram in preparation for the movie. Um, I think that just shows how much he actually yeah. wanted to go. I think, I seem to remember, he's listed as six six foot and a half an inch, and I think he weighed about 220 yeah. pounds. But at, at the time, he um, obviously had that um, vertebrae, so he yeah. he lost three inches, so he's about six three maybe right. when, this, okay. when the Dark Knight trilogy came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nolan offered the role of Alfred to Anthony Hopkins, but declined. Nolan actually went to Kane's house to personally deliver him the script, telling him his role would be, and describing um, Alfred as Batman's godfather. But before it happened... Well, yeah, because I think Kane was living out in the, in the Caribbean somewhere, yeah. like the Bahamas or something, and um, Nolan, I think, was a was a neighbour of his, yeah. and he sort of called round to see him, and he said, yeah, I've got this script for you to read, and Kane said, yeah, just leave it. He said, well, I can't leave it, I need you to read it now, so I can take it back with me. Mm. And Kane read it, this is from an interview I remember watching of him, and his, uh, his immediate thoughts were, I basically made me play the fucking battle. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, what a butler, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nolan felt Kane would effectively portray the foster father element of the character, although Alfred is depicted in the film as having served the Wayne family for generations. Kane created his own backstory in that before becoming Wayne's butler. Alfred served in the Special Air Service. You can't actually see that, though, yeah, in the film, can't you? Yeah. Because there's... Um, I'll, 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 we'll leave that for Batman, um, Dead Night Rises, because yeah. there's, there's a bit in the film where he talks about his yeah. military background, but... Um, Gary Oldman, going back to that, was first choice for the part of Ra's al Ghul, but ended up playing James Gordon instead. Guy Pearce, who collaborated with Christopher Nolan on Memento, reported that the pair had discussions about him playing the role, but both of them decided that he was too young for the part. Viggo Mortensen was also considered for the role. 
Neeson is commonly cast as a mentor, so the revelation that his character was the main villain was intended to shock viewers. Oldham was Nolan's first choice for Razor Gaul, but when Chris Cooper turned down the part of Gordon to spend time with his family, Nolan decided that it would be refreshing for Oldman, who's renowned for his portrayals of villains, to play the role instead. I embody the themes of the movie, which are the values of family, courage and compassion, and a sense of right and wrong, good and bad, and justice, Oldman said of his character. He filmed most of his scenes in Britain. Guy said Oldman, Oldman heavily resembled Gordon, as drawn by David Mascelli in Batman Year One. And Nolan decided against casting an Irish actor like Killian Murphy for Batman before I, casting. I was literally show. his. his I don't know why. Because I don't get it. Killian Murphy doesn't speak with an Irish accent, does he? No. And so, it even like I'm, he was right to not do it because I don't yeah. think Killian Murphy fits the Batman mold. But no. yeah, it's a very odd reason. Yeah, I was, I was reading some about him. Nolan loved loved his eyes so much that he he, he tried to to get him to take his glasses off as much as possible. Yeah. So there's a lot of scenes where he's not wearing glasses. Yeah. So I don't know, just a little point in there. Um, James Newton Howard said this about the music of Batman Begins. Chris Nolan called Hans and said, "I'm doing the Batman movie. Do you want to do it?" And Hans said, "Yeah. Can I do it with my mate James Newton Howard?" And he said, "Yeah, great." The thing, do you reckon it went exactly like that? Yeah. <laughs> Conversation. Yeah. yeah, I want to do it with my mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing is, Hans and I are wildly different musical entities, but we do have a similar process. We use the same technology. We tend to approach scores the way you would approach making a record. That is, the production values are extremely important to us. How the bass drum sounds, what the low end is like, is the mid-range too harsh? We really try and shape it sonically. So that allowed us to have a lot of com commonalities. We set up two writing studios, a pair of studios in London up on the third floor across the hall from each other. His door was open, I could hear what he was doing. My door was open, he could hear what I was doing. We were smoking like chimneys. On that movie, On Batman Begins, we truly did co-write every cue together, with the exception of the most famous cue, which he wrote, which is the two-note thing, which is fabulous. Do you know the two-note thing? No, I can't remember that. Boom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that's exactly like Jar's theme, then just two. No, yeah, but it's so synonymous <laughs> with this, with this film. Okay, uh, Batman Begins opened on June fifteenth, two thousand and five, in the US in three thousand eight hundred fifty-eight theaters. It grossed over forty-eight million in its opening weekend in North America eventually grossing over 371.9 million worldwide <coughs> and becoming the ninth highest grossing film of 2005. The film was met largely with positive reviews, with praise for the tone, Bale's performance, action sequences, score, direction and the emotional weight compared to the previous Batman films. And I think that is the... Is that enough money for Warners, do you reckon? Is that a success? Because they have a habit of like films yeah. that have done really well financially, like made two hundred million, they go, no, it wasn't, yeah. it was, was, wasn't financially well, if successful. You, if you think the year later, uh, Superman Returns made four hundred million, yeah. and they, they shelved that, yeah, didn't they? So they did. Maybe they could see see, you know, Christopher Nolan. He was a young director. Yeah. Maybe they could see the potential he had. So I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I was quite shocked that it only made that amount of money because mm -hmm. maybe back then it was quite a big amount yeah. but now that's nothing that's what you expect a, a, a blockbuster to make yeah like I said I was never a big fan of superhero movies yeah. but we, we had an agreement didn't we that yeah. um, 
if I was to watch the Dark Knight trilogy, you, you'd watch The Godfather because yeah. you'd never seen The Godfather. Okay, and choose I, to tell any people that. <laughs> and I think that we both made out on that because obviously I really do like these mm, films. Yeah. Because um, Batman isn't a typical superhero. No, he has no superpowers. No. He's, he's a man. Yeah. And albeit, uh, albeit he's a billionaire, but still, like, yeah. he... He's, he's a man and he's, he's a fragile well, they're not afraid to show yeah. his fragile side that he has feelings that he's a very layered character he's not just this overpowered uh, superhero that you see every, yeah. all, in all these movies you know yeah back in 2005 when the film wrote Forbes magazine actually worked out how much money you would need to yeah. become Batman and they said you had, it was only three and a half million which I was shocked that's about which five million adjusted is adjusted for inflation as well just under five million now to be Batman and I think we said if we win the lottery then yeah that's it I'm definitely <laughs> buying a tumbler if There's we win the lottery tumbler in the tumbler in the driveway <laughs> the bat as well I'm getting that bat cape on the <laughs> no I think yeah I think as as in terms of origin stories, I know we're both a sucker for origin yeah. stories, but this is one of the best, isn't it? It is, yeah. Because um, when I when I first saw watched these three films, um, mm. Batman Begins was my favourite. Yeah, because uh, I like I say I love an origin story, mm. but I've actually reevaluated that now. Yeah, I know. So for, for a certain other one in this yeah, trilogy, it is. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, I I just I understand because when it previously when when he Chris Nolan said that he was he wanted to focus on the emotional weight and the darkness and grittiness. You really feel that, don't you? And you yeah. feel the emotional weight, and it's an emotional weight that was much welcome because you just don't get it in the previous movies, do you? Yeah. There's no there's no stakes. There's no um, you're not invested as much as you were in this one, you know. And I think he he hit the nail on the head with with going for that because it makes you care yeah. about the movie more and the character more. I kind of get it because like '89, they chose not to do a backstory. Yeah. Which, I can, I can, I get it in a way because if if that had, a, I mean, I don't know what the deal was with Warner's, whether it was just that one movie, see how it goes, and then if it's if it does well, we'll give you a sequel. Yeah, I think that's so. That's they're having to kind of cram everything into one film. Yeah. Whereas over a trilogy, you can actually explore that. You know, you can actually explore the characters more, develop the character because obviously the first part. Although, as we'll soon find out. Yeah. Um. He. He only planned on this movie. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Even though I know people, I hear people say, but then you yeah. revealed the Joker card at the end. He was like, ah, right. he was leaving the opportunity if he well, wanted even, to come back. You know, even over two films, you can mm. you can actually develop the characters more. Yeah. The first film, you're introducing the characters, their backstories, and then a bit of the action, because it's really a film of two halves, isn't it? The it first is. half is Bruce going away, training, coming back, and Obviously, then it's his his journey. It's few false starts initially. Well, I mean, I mean the, the film really kicks off when he goes back to Gotham, doesn't yeah. it? And it's just, yeah, it's, it, once you get, it's classic Batman basically once he gets back to Gotham, but it's, it's so much darker, so much grittier, yeah. so much more attention to detail. And like I said, the, the story you're much more emotionally invested in. And uh, I feel like with the writing as well, they don't jump corners as well. There's Everything has a purpose. Yeah. And that is just so much more effective in, in <coughs> for us, the viewer, you know? But yeah, it's... it's absolutely amazing origin story and it really well it, it kick started Batman again yeah we, everyone thought everyone thought it was down and out with Batman and Robin how can it go any worse you know but yeah so Christopher Nolan found a way and it as it being an original story like I said no, no we, we'd never seen his 
origin story yeah. that clear before and I think it was really controversial at the time him doing a whole movie about his origin story yeah and I don't uh, I don't know if, if what people were smoking at the time because they were like well, we're not that interested but I was like <laughs> that that that's the golden thing you know that, that well, to see Batman's origin story I can, I can I can get it because you know you've got this guy who is kind of mysterious anyway yeah is he better just to be not have an origin story and people kind of make up their own ideas of how he that would be my thoughts before 2005 yeah. but after seeing this then it, it no, does, does it, not take does away the mystery the dark knight a bit more mysterious and a bit more dangerous if what you is, don't this know is the thing, this is the where thing. he came from you see, he still has that mystery because he's he's uh he's in prison and you, it doesn't show all of his um no all, all of his backstory does it you know no. there's still things he leaves and I think he he shows what is necessary yeah and but he doesn't show too much where it, it takes away the mystery of the character because the weird thing is he's, he's in prison but he's in prison by his own choice yeah he's free to leave at any point and all he does in prison is pick fights with people and I don't know if that's some kind of self-loathing yeah maybe um, where he feels he needs that or he just it's part of his training I don't know yeah and but that, once again, that's the mystery he still leaves in. So there's still when, mystery here. Um, when Henry Ducard visits him, that's what he says. He says, "You know, you, I'll, I can show you how to channel that anger yeah. into into something more worthwhile." Like so, I said, though, we said it's, it's it's definitely like we said it's definitely a movie of two halves. The first yeah. half is very. Uh, it's not compared to the second half. It's it's slow, but it, it's yeah. so story driven and. It's, it's brilliant and once you get to the Gotham part it just yeah. pure action isn't it this yeah, is a it's, pure yeah. action yeah. movie and but it's, it's one that still has the stakes still has the emotional uh, depth as like a, yeah. a, a drama you know and a brilliant third act and I because, must admit like with a lot of action films um, you know you don't get it, it's still dramatic yeah. as well and it's still brilliant acting yeah. as well Oh yeah, everyone pulls so their weight. It builds, you know, um, it, it just builds in, into a brilliant film. Yeah, it's not a usual like action film. We no. can say, and it's there's some light little light bits in it, but not not like no. not like the original. Yeah, uh, Batman it, it, film. it's just totally it's totally different. Yeah, like you said, everyone pulls their weight in terms yeah. of the acting department. And I can't imagine anyone else other than Bale being Batman, really. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah, that he, he lobbied. Batman. I'm so glad he lobbied for it. Well, it's, it's so dif difficult to go back and think of somebody else in yeah. that character. Maybe maybe they would have done a great job as well. Um, we're, just, we're just glad. Yeah. I'm just so glad that they, they picked yeah. Bale, you know? I mean, it's like, obviously we're doing this because, you know, later on this year, March of this year, the Batman is going to be released, yeah. um, starring Robert Patterson. I think everyone's really um, excited to see yeah. what he, what sort of Batman he, because I, I don't know, most of the Batmans are kind of samey. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Um, Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, they're all kind of similar. Well, I think I think Bale. Um, it's almost like in the original Batman series, I think they were playing like caricatures of Batman, yeah. where where. You can tell that Bale took on the role, and he put because he's very method, isn't it? Yeah. He put, he put yeah. himself, he made himself Bruce Wayne yeah. and Batman, and he made him, he made the character so layered that you care about him. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I was reading he had, on his trailer, yeah. he had Bruce Wayne on it. Yeah, 
Um, he's mental he, when he gets. He gives interviews in <laughs> the accent that the is voice, yeah. either the one that he's currently filming or the next film that he's making. That's why people don't they, don't know he's Welsh, do they? Welsh, he's yeah, English, he's, mate. He's Welsh. He's English, mate. He describes himself okay. as Welsh. No, he does not. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Anyone that says he's Welsh, he's born in Pembrokeshire, moved to England at one. All his family is English. He has an English accent. He's Cockney many times. Um, it was that guy on on Good Morning Britain, a Ben guy. Yeah. He called him a taffy, and he was like, "Whoa, I'm not a taffy. I'm English." Oh, okay. Okay then. So yeah, that's that's my um. Sort of turn when I went Welsh out there, but it's. Yeah. Alright. He's just English, he just is. Okay. Right, so are we gonna move on to yes. this? and you can cover this because I'm getting a bit of a soft throat here. As yeah, I, I don't think there's any shock that this is my favourite film of all time. Um It's the Dark Knight and it is it was made in two thousand eight. Uh once again, written by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. Uh directed by Chris Nolan again. It stars Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne and Batman, Heath Ledger as the Joker, Michael Caine as Alfred Pennyworth, Gary Oldman as James Gordon, Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent, Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox, and Maggie Gyllenhaal as Rachel Dawes. Now, didn't, didn't Heath Ledger, um, he auditioned for Batman, didn't he? Yeah, we're going to get into that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'll actually spoil our own. I'm spoiling it of our own. <laughs> no. I'm just going to shut up now the plot with the help of allies Lieutenant Jim Gordon and DA Harvey Dent Batman has been able to keep a tight lid on crime in Gotham City but when a vile young criminal calling himself the Joker suddenly throws the town into chaos the Cape Crusader begins to tread a fine line between heroism and vigilantism vigilantism I can't say words properly <laughs> so before the release of Batman Begins, screenwriter David Escoyer wrote a treatment for two sequels, which introduced the Joker and Harvey Dent. His original intent was for the Joker to scar Dent during the Joker's trial in the third film, turning Dent into the supervillain Two-Face. You look like you want to say anything. No, no. Yeah, you can chip in if, yeah, if you yeah, say it's anything. Fine, yeah, yeah, uh, Goya, who penned the first draft of the film, cited the DC Comics 13-issue comic book limited series, Batman The Long Halloween as the major influence on this storyline have you noticed as well Batman The Long Halloween tends to be uh, the source material for yeah. most of these films isn't yeah. it it's kind of Batman Year yeah. One and Batman Long Halloween are kind of the, the, yeah. the two premier Batman comics I believe uh, according to veteran Batman artist Neil Adams he met with David Goya in Los Angeles and the story would eventually look to Adams and write a Denny O'Neill's 1971 story, The Joker's Five-Way Revenge, that appeared in Batman number 251, in which O'Neill and Adams reintroduced the Joker. While initially uncertain on whether or not he would return to direct the sequel, Nolan did want to reinterpret the Joker on screen. On July 31st, 2006, Warner Brothers officially announced initiation of production for the sequel to Batman Begins, titled The Dark Knight. Is the first live-action Batman film without the word Batman in its title, which Bell noticed as signalling that this take on Batman of mine and Chris's is very different from any of the others. Yeah, because like like the comic books, they go through, they do reboots and yeah. you know re. Oh yeah, there's so there's so yeah. many different storylines. Yeah, um, and it seems like 
because I think it's problems happen because readership kind of trying to falls off a bit, so then they have to do something different. So yeah. then they they'll reboot Batman, or they'll then introduce new characters and that kind of thing. Oh, sometimes what they like to do is they like to yeah. If they if they do like the death of Batman, yeah. that's going to get people reading, isn't it? Yeah. Nolan's inspiration for the film was the Joker's comic book debut in 1940, the 88, the 1988 graphic novel The Killing Joke, and the 1996 series The Long Halloween, which retold Harvey Dent's origin. The Dark Knight nickname was first applied to Batman in Batman Number no. One, 1940, in a story written by Bill Finger. The Dark Knight was filmed primarily in Chicago, as well as in several other locations in the United States, United Kingdom, and Hong Kong. And you can really see that, can't you? Yeah. yeah. The film was the first mainstream feature to partially utilise IMAX 70mm cameras, with Nolan using them for 28 minutes of film, including the Joker's first appearance. And I don't know, it's, it's in many ways this is a weirdly shot film, because you can have like the story going along and then there'll be just a couple scenes, maybe a minute of, of just skyline in there, yeah. of him yeah, going around yeah. the city. Yeah. And I think he done that on purpose because he wanted to show... Um, and you can really feel it. he wanted to show the, how big Gotham is because mm. I don't know if you, if you think in the original Gotham feels big but it doesn't feel anywhere as big as, as um, you know it feels like I lived mm. in the second one it feels like I lived in city <clears throat> and that really helped it you know with the IMAX cameras as well and now Warner Brothers initially created a viral marketing campaign for the Dark Knight developing promotional websites and trailers highlighting screenshots of Ledger as the Joker now, Ledger unfortunately died on January 22nd, 2008, some months after he completed filming and six months before the film's release from a toxic combination of prescription drugs, leading to intense attention from the press and movie-going public. Bell said he was confident in his choice to return in the role because of the positive response to his portrayal in Batman Begins. He continued training in the KC fighting method and performed many of his own stunts, but did not gain as much muscle as in the previous film because the new Batsuit allowed him to move with greater agility. Bell described Batman's dilemma as whether his crusade is something that has an end, can he quit and have an ordinary life? The kind of manic intensity someone has to have to maintain the passion and the anger that they felt as a child takes an effort after a while to keep doing that. At some point you have to exercise your demons. He added, now you have not just a young man in pain attempted to find some kind of answer. You have somebody who has actually has power, who is burdened by that power, and is having to recognise the difference between attaining that power and holding on to it. <coughs> so I got a frog in my throat. Bell felt Batman's personality had been strongly established in the first film, so it was unlikely his character would be overshadowed by the villains. Stating, I have no problem with competing with someone else, and that's going to take a, uh, that's going to make a better movie. So before Ledger was cast in July 2006, <clears throat> Paul Bettany, Lacey Holm, I think that's how you say Lucky. it. Lucky Holm, mm. whoever that is. <laughs> Adrian Brody, Steve Carell, and Robin Williams, even Robin Williams still. Again. Every, I think every movie is... I thought he, re he refused to... Because <clears throat> what happened is, like in Batman 1989, the studio really, really, really wanted Jack Nicholson, yeah. but he, was, he wouldn't c commit... So they basically went and offered Robin Williams a part just as bait. Yeah. And went to Nicholson and said, right, if you don't sign on now, then Robin Williams. So obviously Williams wasn't happy being used as bait. And he he was considered, I think, for the Joker in Batman Forever. Yeah. And he 
stated that he would never work for Warner Brothers. <laughs> so I think I don't know whether it was him or I don't know. Maybe the fat paycheck that came with Possibly, yeah. So yeah, Ron Williams publicly expressed yeah. interest in it. However, Nolan had wanted to work with Ledger on a number of projects in the past, including unsuccessfully approaching Ledger for the role of Batman in Batman Begins, and was agreeable to Ledger's chaotic interpretation of the character. When Ledger saw Batman Begins, he had realised a way to make the character work that was consistent with the film's tone. He described his Joker as a psychotic, mass-murdering, schizophrenic clown with zero empathy, which he is, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, in the film, the Joker has a Glasgow smile and his trademark chalk white skin and red lips and makeup rather than the result of chemical bleaching, as in the traditional pl- uh, portrayal of the character. Throughout the film, the Joker states his desire to upset social order through crime and comes to define himself by his conflict with Batman. To prepare for the role, Ledger, and I find this so weird, Ledger lived alone in a hotel room for a month, formulating the character's posture, voice, and personality and kept a diary in which he recorded Joker's thoughts and feelings. While initially found it difficult, Ledger eventually generated a voice unlike Jack Nicholson's character in Tim Burton's 1989 Batman film. He was also given Batman the Killing Joke and Arkham Asylum a serious house on serious earth, which he really tried to read and put it down. Ledger also cited a Clockwork Orange and Sid Vicious as very early starting point for Christian Bale and I, but we kind of flew far away from that pretty quickly and into another world altogether. But I think you can really see those those sort of inspirations, can't you? Yeah. yeah. And it, it, his character is literally it is like he's lived in a in a hotel room for a month, you know. <laughs> and it's just he we talk about Bailgun method, you know. He's just, yeah. Obviously, we're getting to a bit later, yeah. but uh, where am I? There's a bit of everything in him. There's nothing that consistent. Ledger said and added, there are a few more surprises to him. Ledger was allowed to shoot and mostly direct the videos the Joker sends out as warnings. Each take Ledger made was different from the last. Nolan was impressed enough with the first shoot that he chose not to be present when Ledger shot the video with a kidnapped reporter. Oh, I did not know that. No, I did not no. before researching, yeah. which is just... The more you find out about this yeah, film... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nolan and David Escoya had originally considered using Dent in Batman Begins, but they replaced him with a new character, Rachel Dawes, when they realised they couldn't do him justice. Before Eric Hart was cast in February 2007, I can't believe Schreiber, Josh Lucas and Ryan Philippe had expressed interest in the role, while Mark Ruffalo auditioned. I love Mark Ruffalo, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Leave Schreiber can fuck off. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Damon as well, he stated that he was considered for the role, (laughs) but could not accept due to scheduling conflicts. Hugh Jackman was also considered for the part. Uh, Nolan chose Eckhart, whom he considered for the lead role in Memento, citing his extraordinary ability as an actor, his embodiment of that kind of chiseled American hero quality projected by Robert Redford and his subtextual edge. Eckhart was interested in good guys gone wrong and had played corrupt men in films such as The Black Dahlia, Thank You for Smoking and In the Company of Men. Whereas Dent is depicted as a crime boss in most characterizations, Nolan chose to portray him as a twisted vigilante to emphasize his role as Batman's counterpart. Eckhart explained, he is still true to himself. He's a crime fighter. He's not killing good people. He's not a bad guy, not purely. For Dent, Eckhart kept him thinking about the Kennedys, particularly Robert F. Kennedy, who's idealistic, held a grudge and took on the mob. He had his hair lightened and started to make him appear more dashing. Nolan told Eckhart to not make Dent's criminal personality 
jokey with slurping sounds or ticks. Gyllenhaal took over the role of Rachel Dawes from Katie Holmes, who played the part in Batman Begins. In August 2005, Holmes was reportedly planning to reprise the role, but she eventually turned it down to film Mad Money with Diane Keaton and Queen Latifah. Okay. I've never even heard that movie in my life. <laughs> How'd that work out then? Bet she regrets that, yeah. Oh. By March 2007, Hall was in final talks for the part. Gyllenhaal was, has acknowledged her character is a damsel in distress to an extent, but says Nolan sought ways to empower her character. So Rachel was really clear about what's important to her and unwilling to compromise her morals, which made a nice change from the many conflicted characters whom she had previously portrayed. Uh, the Dark Knight had a different creative approach for the team when it came to the music. Instead of collaborating on every individual, or every individual piece, they split up the work based on their strengths. Uh, the Dark Knight was a little bit different. We did most of the writing in Los Angeles. His studio in LA is about 300 yards from my studio. It's very close. We split up some of the assignments. He took the Joker and did such a crazy good job on that. I took Two-Face and then we split up some of the action stuff. I did, predictably, maybe more of the psychological stuff, but we went through it and it was great. It was also great fun. And now considered one of the best films of its decade and one of the greatest and most influential films of all time, the film received critical acclaim for screenplay, visual effects, musical score, mature themes, performances, particularly ledgers, cinematography, action sequences and direction. The film also set numerous records during its theatrical run. The Dark Knight appeared on 287 critics' top 10 lists more than any other film of 2008 with the exception of Wally, and more critics named The Dark Knight the best film released that year. With over 1 billion in revenue worldwide, it became the fourth highest grossing film at the time and the highest grossing film of 2008. It also set the record for the highest grossing domestic opening with $158 million, a record it held for three years. At the 81st Academy Awards, the, f the film received eight nominations. It won the award for Best Sound Editing and Ledger was posthumously awarded Best Supporting Actor. In 2020, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically or aesthetically significant, becoming the second superhero film after 1978's Superman to earn the honour. Which I did not know either. Yeah. And I think that's all warranted, <coughs> really. <laughs> like, I said, like I said, when I when I first watched the the three films, um, Batman Begins was was I'd say my favourite. Yeah. But I've, I've since when we rewatched them again for yeah. this, I've got to say Dark Knight is is good. I, f I think you you said as well when when you f maybe when you watched them before you were like. Oh, or watch them all <laughs> where you fully immerse yourself yeah. in the film and it can change can't it it can change yeah. your opinion on a film yeah. but yeah this is this is in my opinion I think I mean Heath Ledger is, is absolutely brilliant yeah. as the Joker um, this, is, this is the thing in any other movie you've got a guy you've got a clown killing people like yeah. laughing it would be so campy but yeah. in this it just works and he's so twisted and mm -hmm. maniacal and like he's he's basically off the rails and yeah. it's just you don't know what he's going to do next, and, it, and many because people. It, it proves that it's not about the money; it's about the, yeah. Because he burns his half for yeah. the yeah, and he actually says to Batman that you know they need each other, that they're both you know. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to kill you. Yeah, I need you. Yeah. You know, and I just many people. I know. I'm, I'm just this. This isn't like concrete, but many people attribute him going so um, method and. 
you know, obviously he stayed alone in his in his hotel room and they they think that he he took the prescription drugs and it maybe led him being so method maybe led to his death. Yeah. But never know. For a for a, I mean for a performance to go out in is mm. <laughs> it's one of the best performances of all time. And like I said, I just think this this because this movie compared to the Batman Begins is totally different direction. This yeah. is like a this is a, a crime thriller, mm-hmm. and where the the other one was pure action. Yeah, uh, and and I think it, it, it as well. Nolan cited inspiration from films like Heat, yeah, um, The Sting as well. Those type of heist uh, thriller movies, and you can definitely tell that, can't you? So, at what point did they decide they were going to do th- three films? Well, this thing, David David Goyer wrote three screenplays right but Christopher Nolan um, he was like I think he even wrote he obviously helped write them yeah. as well but he was he, I don't think he was that he didn't when he uh, let's say when he made Batman Begins he, he I don't think he planned on making a trilogy right. I think he was more thinking of someone else taking over the directing but uh, okay I mean <laughs> I bet he's glad he didn't you know but yeah there's just so many things that went right about this movie and it's it's I agree. This is probably the the is the Mount Everest of comic book movies. There will never be a comic book movie like this because yeah. it, it it it's that unique thing of it's a comic book movie, but it isn't as well. It's yeah. it doesn't chuck it in your face that it's a comic book movie. It doesn't chuck it in your face that it's a Batman movie. It's it's just a gritty crime thriller that just happens to house the the Batman characters. Yeah. Um, but once again, I mean, we're talking about the performances. You can't not talk about Ledger, obviously. But I think yeah. Alan Eckhart as well as Harvey Dent is brilliant. And it's almost like a sad story, isn't it? It's a tragedy because the joke is he basically holds the city to ransom, doesn't he? Say so if if you don't um, if you don't tell me who Batman is or if Batman doesn't come forward, yeah, then he's basically going to carry on. Because basically, with Batman, he's he's yeah. he's stopped all the crime and the the. The criminals have to go under underground, and yeah. they they hire the, they hire the Joker. Not at the start; they sit mm-hmm. only until they see how crazy he is. They they hire him to take down the Batman, yeah. and like like Robo said, they want he wants Batman to step forward or someone to to tell him who Batman is, and and he, he basically shows his power by filming these videos, and he takes hostage of of different people yeah. kills different people in the public and I just I just think this is where the stars aligned I just think so many so many things are great about this movie and I don't think you'll ever it's it's like a lightning in a bottle yeah um, so many things were executed right the story writing is amazing it's paced amazing the 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 music is amazing and there's some people right with a new Spider-Man movie come out, you know they try and compare it to that. This isn't, and they say the Dark Knight, they fall asleep. There's this whole thing about them falling asleep. But I was like, are they watching the same movie? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is the the apex of comic book movies. There will never be anything like this ever again. And it it transcends comic book movies, and it always gets talked in the same bracket of Twelve Angry Men, The Godfather, Shawshank Redemption, as it should. And I, I think this is. One of the greatest movies of top, of all time, but certainly the best movie of the twenty first century. I know it's big. <laughs> I, I know it's, that's a big claim there, but yeah. that's just me personally. I know it's a bit biased because it's my favourite film of all time, but 
I just think it's shows how so-called comic book movies have evolved yeah now and this if you think this this came out before the MCU yeah uh, so up to that point like you said um, you know Batman Begins was maybe a one-off people were thinking yeah. and before that obviously comic book movies were just these these uh, well I don't even need to explain what they were they were no. they were of their time but this completely changed the genre and now comic book movies are much more gritty dark and it's all because of this movie yeah. and it's and it's once again it's, it's in one of those trilogies where the sequel tends to be better yeah. than the original yeah um, and we, we've also we've covered the opening scene yeah. in, in one of our other podcasts oh great, yeah one of the Brilliant. greatest opening scenes well, this, this, in, the, uh, this is the thing as well this is why the origin story matters because I don't think this film would be anywhere near as um, effective if we didn't have Batman's origin story to see where he's co- yeah. come from. Yeah. Um, and I mean the 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 last act. This this movie is so well written that the last act you'd expect in a big comic book blockbuster like this to be like a, a all out third act between like Batman fighting Two Face mm-hmm. and Joker when it's not. It's just so well. It's basically Batman captures the Joker. Yeah. The Joker is expects people to be like him, so they expect these two ships to, you know, to kill. They expect the innocent people to kill each other, and Batman's like, "No, we're not like you. You're just like a one-off." And then he goes to to Harvey, which is just a tragic story about how one person, he, the Joker, basically sends them down this path that you think that the they call him the White Knight, don't they? Yeah. Harvey Dent. Yeah. And he just tragically falls. He, he doesn't turn, does he? He just falls into this, yeah. into Two-Face. And it's not like this, like we said, it's not like this huge fight or this huge battle that you see in MCU movies. It's just great story writing. And it and you'd think it'd fall short because you've seen yeah. all this action before it. But no, it just works because it's so, ex- this, so well executed. This is a spoiler alert. Rachel and Harvey were engaged to be married. Yeah. And the Joker kidnaps them both, places them at two separate locations with explosives, and basically gives Batman the choice to save one of them. So he goes after one, and uh, Gone goes after the other. And you don't find out until he's breaking the door down which one he's chosen. And Batman actually chooses to go after Harvey because yeah. he feels that he's more important to yeah. the future of Gotham. And unfortunately, um, Rachel uh, Gordon gets there too late, and Rachel dies. So that's part of his um, his descent, fall yeah. descent into. But then he uh, the the explosives they're using are actually liquid, and he ends up getting um, burnt on half of his body. And so that's how he becomes Two Face, essentially. Great CGI as well, yeah. isn't it? It's so it's. Um, he, yeah, so you can see how he becomes. Yeah, nothing's rushed, is no. it? It's, it's very paced well. And this yeah. is the thing with this film as well is it sets up things. In it sets up things about the film, and it explains them after. But then that that kind of pits him against Batman then because um, he blames Batman for letting Rachel die yeah. when he could have saved her instead. Yeah. So even though it was the right choice yeah. to go for Harvey, but yeah, what I was saying before is that. This movie sets up, basically a movie sets up its own rules and it abides by those rules and it, and it, it 
it tells the story how it sees fit and it just makes it so much more yeah engaging intriguing and it, it, you care about the characters once again like I said I was every time I watched this movie just to see where Harvey was once at to where he is now it's just like how does it happen but you're not there like how does it happen because it it literally shows you it tells you I mean just some of the I mean if, if we go back to Heath Ledger's performance I mean this he done a lot of um improvisation didn't he we yeah. talk about the the, the famous hospital the yeah. hospital scene yeah. and with the the explosion the explosives it didn't go off did it one of them well, there's, he, a, there's a scene where Joker's threatening to blow up a hospital um, and he, he 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 does he blows it up but then he's kind of walking away dressed as a, in a nurse's uniform mm. and he presses the button and nothing happens and he's sort of instead of just kind of stopping and reshooting or whatever he carries on in character yeah. and he's looking back and he's looking and then then it goes off and but so, yeah just the fact he stays in character and the fact just, they left it in the film as well yeah it makes it so much more natural yeah. and, and oh it's just a great watch and just yeah. the, you, it just fully because that's the thing with Heath Ledger what he'd done before that he'd done that 10 things I like about you or something he was like a well, I've never really seen anything no. that I've been in really um, he was like a romantic yeah. lead, you know. But obviously, he was. He, by this, he sh- he showed his world class acting <laughs> yeah. ability, and we lo- we lost him too late, yeah. uh, too early, obviously. Yeah. But like I said, if there's one role you're gonna go out with, it's this role, and he fully became the Joker once again, like Bale. Okay. And this the thing with Bale as well is he doesn't. He's obviously Joker is Joker's film, isn't it? This film. Yeah. But we also see. Uh, the consequences we see Batman's consequences of being Batman you know with how he gets Rachel uh, yeah. killed he blames himself for that so there's a art, he has his own art because I know a lot of people say this is Batman's film it's Joker's film it's not even Batman's film but mm-hmm. it's not but, and also from a comic book movie uh, comic book fans out there we see a lot more of the detective work of Batman you know he when he's um, yeah. uh, doing the bullet there's a bullet in the wall he he basically and we get to show we get to yeah. see Alfred's uh Weapons background, they mm. they um, identify this bullet, so we get to see a lot of yeah. Batman doing detective work. So yeah, because yeah. at the end of the film, um, <coughs> what happens is um, Harvey, in the sort of two faced guys, he's killed some people. Yeah, um, and they feel that Harvey's legacy shouldn't be tainted by yeah. that because he is <coughs> the DA that stood up to crime and cleaned up the streets of Gotham. So Batman decides, or Bruce Wayne decides, Batman is going to take the blame for those yeah, murders. because he should not be the face of that. Yeah, yeah, so he shouldn't be the face of Gotham, and that's when he decides to basically disappear. And you get a great, great final scene of, of you get Hans Zimmer's score booming, but uh, you get a great um, Gary Oldman, his speech as Gordon, yeah. saying that he's... The the hero Gotham wants, but not right now. Yeah, and uh, he's a, no, he's a hero Gotham needs, but not right now. Yeah. And you just see Batman escaping um, through like these cargo, um, it's like a cargo shipment bit, and the police are after him, and it's yeah. just brilliant scene, brilliant scene to end it as well. Okay, but you know, like I said, this, this is one of the best. I'll say, yeah, I've one of the best movies of all time. My opinion, yeah. and, I think this and if you haven't my... watched it, watch this film. <laughs> Although we spoiled it for you, yeah. I'd say spoiled it's, it's, it's been long yeah, enough. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm going to let you carry on. Right. 
Okay, so we're on to the the sequel and the final in this trilogy, The Dark Knight Roses, and it was made in 2012. So a four-year jump, if you didn't know maths. <laughs> <laughs> uh, written by Christopher Nolan once again and David S. Goyer. I thought, didn't Jonathan Nolan write it as well? He's writing it in all of these, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of common knowledge that whenever... So, well, shout out to, to, obviously, Christopher's brother, Jonathan. Nepotism yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Chris Nolan once again. It stars Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne and Batman, Tom Hardy as Bane, Anne Hathaway as Selina Carl and Catwoman, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as John Blake, Gary Oldman as James Gordon, Michael Caine as Alfred Pennyworth, I can't say Michael Caine. No, I say Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Master Wayne. Marine, I can't even say her name. Marine Cotillard. As Talia Al Ghul. She's French. Nice accent there. (laughs) (laughs) And Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Now the plot. It's been eight years since Batman in in collision with Commissioner... Collusion. with... (laughs) With Commissioner Gordon. Vanished into the night. Assuming responsibility for the death of Harvey Dent. Batman sacrificed everything for what he and Gordon hoped would be the greater good. However, the arrival of a cunning cat burglar and a merciless terrorist named Bane forced Batman out of exile and into a battle he may not be able to win. So, very good plot and it sets up, you know, the tension. Yeah. I don't want I'm just chatting shit. <laughs> so, Christian Owen was hesitant about returning to the series for a third film but agreed after developing a story with his brother and Goya that he felt would conclude the series on a satisfactory note. Nolan drew inspiration from Bane's comic book debut in the 1993 Nightfall storyline, the 1986 series The Dark Knight Returns, and the 1999 story No Man's Land. Filming took place from May to November 2011 in locations including Jodhpur, London, Nottingham, Glasgow, Los Angeles, New York City, Newark, and Pittsburgh. Nolan used IMAX 70mm film cameras for much of the filming, including the first six minutes of the film to optimise the quality of the of the picture. A vehicle variation of the Batplane and Batcopter turned the Bat very far favour as well. An underground prison set and a new Batcave set were created specifically for the film. Uh, in 2005, David S. Goyer confirmed that he wrote treatments for the two films involving the Joker. The first would involve Batman, Harvey Dent and Commissioner Gordon hunting the Joker while the second would have the Joker scarring Dent and turning him into Two-Face during his trial. Obviously we went over that previously. The third treatment ended in the same way as the final version of The Dark Knight Rises. Other aspects of the third treatment were incorporated into The Dark Knight. However, Heath Ledger's family stated that he was planning on reprising his role as the Joker before his death. After Ledger's death, Christopher Nolan decided not to recast the role out of respect for his performance and initially was hesitant to make a third film. Warner Brothers president of production, Jeff Robinov, had hoped... Ah, sorry, nothing. What was that? (coughs) Is he? Oh, I suppose it's Warner, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) screw you, Jeff Robinov. Don't sue us, please. (laughs) Had hoped the third film would be released in 2011 or 2012. Nolan wanted the story for the third instalment to keep him emotionally invested. On a more superficial level, I have to ask the question, he reasoned. How many good third movies in a franchise can people name? Which is fair enough, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. The third tends to be the weakest. Yeah, it does, yeah. Three. Nolan said that he never even thought of the third film was possible in the foreword of his book, The Art of Making the Dark Knight Trilogy. Nolan only agreed to a third film on the basis of finding a worthwhile story. And specifically to make that book. 
<laughs> we couldn't sell a book called The Dark Knight. Trilogy. It was a trilogy, yeah. Okay. Fearing that he would become bored halfway through production if he discovered the film to be unnecessary. By December 2008, Nolan completed his rough story outline before he committed himself to Inception. Later in December, Alan F. Horn confirmed that while discussions with Nolan about a third film were ongoing, no casting had been done, and Horn denied all such rumours. Before Nolan confirmed his involvement, Gary Oldman has said he was confident Nolan would return. Because didn't, didn't Nolan film The Prestige between Batman films as well? He, yeah, he filmed Prestige between Batman Begins and, yeah. and Dark Knight in 2006. Which for, yeah. for, for directors working on a, to actually... Because he, he, he would have been writing yeah. The Dark Knight. And, and yeah, he would have been writing The Dark Knight yeah. while he was writing Prestige and, and filming it. He went off to make... Um, Inception as well. Yeah, in between Dark yeah. Knight and Dark Knight Rises. It's, it's kind of unusual. And Prestige and Inception are brilliant movies. It yeah. just goes to show his talent, doesn't it? But because the normal gap between what they say, the normal gap between sequels is like three years. Yeah. So we've had three years between Begins and Dark Knight, and four years. Yeah. So maybe the extra so, year yeah. was just for for Inception, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But on February 9th, two thousand ten, it was announced that Nolan had cracked the story and was committed to return to the project. Shortly afterwards, it was announced David S. Goya and Jonathan Nolan were working on a screenplay. Goya would leave the project during pre-production to begin work on Man of Steel. Jonathan continued writing the script based on the story by his brother, Chris, and Goya. Chris Nolan said that his brother's original draft was about 400 pages. The film's storyline has been compared with the Batman comic book series, Story Arc, Nightfall, 1993, which showcased Bane the miniseries The Dark Knight Returns 1986 in which Batman returns to Gotham after a 10 year absence and the story arc No Man's Land 1999 which depicts a Gotham cut off from the rest of the world and overrun by gangs and once again you can see that influence throughout it yeah, yeah. Uh, the nickname The Dark Knight was first applied to Batman and Batman number 1 1940 in a story written by Bill Finger Nolan confirmed the Joker would not return in the third film and, and dismissed rumours that he considered using unused footage of Heath Ledger from The Dark Knight. Reportedly before his death, Ledger had plans to reprise the role of the Joker in the third film after enjoying his time filming The Dark Knight, a notion supported by, the, by Two-Face actor Aaron Eckhart. The Dark Knight Rises reunited Nolan with many of his past collaborators, including cinematographer Wally Pfister, don't laugh, production designer Nathan Crowley, editor Lee Smith, costume designer Lindy Hemming, special effects supervisors Frank, Paul Franklin and Chris Corbold, and composer Hans Zimmer. I don't think they could have recast the Joker, really. No, yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that what are they going to they gonna get Jared Leto to do it? Like, they're going <laughs> up in Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's such an iconic character, and he's yeah. such a fantastic performer. How, how, how can somebody come in and... Um, and match that really. No. You, you just, I don't think any, I think, I think as an actor. You could get like a world class actor coming in after As an actor, I would, I would look at that and go, nah. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't fancy it, you know. Well, it's, it's the thing. And I, I hate it when, when they do that, when they recast. Yeah, um, and it just. Yeah, it, it just kills even, the film. Even, I know it's not a fault, but even Rachel yeah. in Dark Knight, it kind, it kind of throws you off for a bit. It's not yeah. detriment to the story or whatever, you know, you can get look past it, but it is. It's in the back of your mind, isn't it? But yeah, you can never recast no. but, uh, the Joker in, in this trilogy, at least, you know. Yeah. And I hate it when they go and they use, like, unused... Because then they have to f change the storyline yeah. to fit, like, any unused footage they've they've got. It just... It's, 
Um, it's not sort of productive, is it? No, really, either. It isn't. So just yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad the, the direction he took it, you know. Yeah, and out of respect as well for for yeah. he, he he didn't recast yeah, it. I mean, maybe that's why it. I mean, for me, this is the weakest of the, the yeah. three films. Yeah, I agree. So maybe that is why it is a little bit weaker. I don't know, but like you said, I can't think of a third sequel that is. Yeah. Or that you know, I can't think of a third film in a in a trilogy that. Is as good as the others. You look at the trilogy: Star Wars, yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future. Well, to me, this is this is similar to Star Wars because I think the second is is the, the best, best. And yeah. the third and the first are kind of on par. I would say the third is slightly weaker. Yeah. But I'd agree. Yeah. Just to remember one of those things. Yeah. Despite partnering up on the first two movies, James Newton Howard did not work on the score of the Nolan Batman film. The Dark Knight Roses, this wasn't due to any falling out or hurt feelings, and Howard's explanation for his absence was delightfully drama-free. Hans did Inception with Chris, and it was clear to me that those guys, those two guys have a great relationship. So when The Dark Knight Roses came along, I just politely said, you know what, you guys do it. I've got other movies, what I'm doing, and I think I've offered everything. You guys are killing it. So I just bowed out, but it was very friendly. Mm. <laughs> it's a nice little story, isn't yeah, it? it is. Hathaway auditioned, not knowing what role she was being considered for. Hathaway described the role as being the most physically demanding she had ever played, and confessed that while she thought of herself as being fit, she had to redouble her efforts in the gym to keep up with the demands of the role. Hathaway trained extensively in martial arts for the role, and looked to Hedy Lamarr, who was the initial inspiration for the comic book character, in developing her own performance. Batman Begins and the Dark Knight writer David S. Goyer had previously ruled out in 2008, including Catwoman in a third film for having already appeared in Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Hardy intended to portray the character of Bane as more menacing than Robert Swanson's, Swenson's albeit forgettable version of the character in Joel yeah. Schumacher's Batman and Robin, and that in order to do so, his portrayal entailed creating a contradiction between his voice and body. Hardy gained £30 for the role, increasing his weight to £200. Hardy based Bane's voice on several influences, which include... Bartley Gorman and a character's comic book heritage. Bane claims that his revolution's enemies are rich and are corrupt, who he, in, who he contends are oppressing the people. Because yeah. Bane first appeared in Batman Forever. Batman Robin it was. So Batman yeah. and Robin, because he's essentially created using uh, chemicals, yeah. isn't he? And he's essentially kind of a mute, just... Yeah. Uh, just... Um, He's basically he's a massive. Yeah, he's, he's like um, Poison Ivy's bitch, basically. Yeah, yeah. She's like smash. She's like smash. Yeah, it's like there's no character to him yeah. whatsoever. So he's this sort of thoughtless, <laughs> brainless kind of thug. Yeah, he's just really. like a juiced up meathead. Yeah, he? yeah. And it's yeah, it's a very different Bane. Yeah, that you see in this. Yeah. But Dark Knight Rises premiered in New York City on July sixteenth, two thousand twelve. The film was released in the United States and the United Kingdom on July 20th, 2012. The film received positive reviews, with praise being directed toward the performances, action sequences, screenplay, direction, musical score and emotional depth, with many critics deeming it satisfactory conclusion to the trilogy. <clears throat> the consensus at Rotten Tomatoes calls it ambitious, thoughtful and potent. The film grows over one billion worldwide, making it the second film in the Batman series to earn one billion. In addition to being Nolan's highest grossing film, it became the highest grossing, uh, seventh highest grossing film of all time at the time of its release, as well as the third highest grossing film of 2012. 
It was named one of the top 10 films of 2012 by the American Film Institute and is considered one of the best films of the 2010s. But yeah, with this film, I agree that it is probably the weakest of the, of the trilogy. Still a great film, but... Because the storyline is, is Bane, who was one of the... Um, League of Shadows. League of Shadows, <coughs> but was excommunicated yeah. for being too... Um, Rash, maybe, was it? I thought it was too, like, too bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was too... It was, it was too evil for the. It was too evil for them, yeah. Um, so he travels to Gotham to to finish Ra's al Ghul's work. What Ra's al Ghul couldn't do was destroy Gotham, and so he basically um, turns everybody against each other. And there's this. Um, so he pops so he, off he, Gotham, doesn't yeah. he? And he he basically takes charge of yeah. of Gotham and he, he traps the police force yeah. on the ground, takes charge, and then he basically allows anybody to do anything they want. So it's basically um, anarchy, isn't so it? So hoping that Gotham is going to tear itself apart. And there's also the, 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 there's the storyline of, of this nuclear reactor, yeah, which he turns into obviously yeah. a nuclear bomb, and he's going to set yeah. it off to destroy Gotham. Because this is the the way Catwoman comes into it. She steals Bruce Wayne's fingerprints, so they can so they essentially ruin him financially. So he's, yeah. he's penniless, um, and he. Gets, uh, can't remember what her other, uh, Marion yeah. her character. Well, she's she's actually Talia Al Ghul. She's the daughter of Raz Al Ghul, but it's it's the the pseudonym that she's what yeah. was it that she's using. She basically is given control of Wayne Enterprises, and she and this device. Yeah. So that's essentially it's the all plot. a scheme, isn't it? Yeah, and the, it's just the, the the plot is just to um, take over. Gotham so, destroy it. No, Batman returns, he fights Bane, Bane defeats him. Because he's like a hermit, isn't he? He's yeah. Um, Bane breaks his back. Breaks his back. Um, he ends up in a, a prison. In like the Middle East, in didn't he? Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, where apparently only one person ever broke out of. Um, and it turns out to it be. It was Talia. Yeah, Razogul's daughter. Um, and there's this convoluted story about how he. He married Razogul married this local uh, princess. Uh, the pa- parent uh, father wasn't happy, uh, and she was imprisoned in this prison. Um, and there's there's like a uh, there's like a chimney that that's the only way out. And if you can climb this thing chimney to get out, then you you're free. And there's only one person who's ever. It was her. It was her. And it turns out Bane actually was in the prison with her and he he protected her from the other uh, prisoners. And then I believe Ra's al Ghul uh, freed him from the prison because yeah. he, he, he come across him. But then obviously later down the line, he's, yeah. he's too bad for the League of Shadows, yeah. which you don't want to fuck with, well, really. you know, watch it, then you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's... it's, it's um, I think I mean, it's, it's not a bad film, no. but it's just when you compare it to the other two. You, you I, just, think, I think the... I think the first two knew what it was going for. It had it set its sights yeah. where this one has got, like you said, it's very convoluted. It's, it's got a lot of like different... An after, like you say, if he was intent on just doing two films and then maybe a third one with a Joker, yeah. and when, obviously when Heath Ledger died, they're thinking, shit, what can we do now? Yeah. We've, got to, we've got to invent another protagonist or antagonist, shall I say. Um, so it's almost like, well, who can we get? Let's get Bane. Yeah, and, yeah, it makes sense. You know, but like I said, hey, this this it's still one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. Yeah. Let's just say that. But 
it's it's the weakest of the trilogy but I think what it does right is first off we, um, I know we tackled it a bit earlier but Bane Tom Hardy as Bane he actually is able to give personality to Bane yeah. that wasn't yeah. there in Batman and Robin and there definitely is a disparity between his, his body and his voice yeah there is um, which is kind of it's, I don't know it is a little bit off off putting when you, when you hear somebody talking like I that th- I think he, the reason why he did it is because it's kind of like it's a bit disarming when you yeah. hear somebody and it's disorientating yeah. you're like how yeah. is this he's basically he's really jacked there's like yeah. how is this voice coming from him yeah because then obviously in this one as well um, obviously Bruce Wayne escapes from the prison comes yeah. back to Gotham um, he actually falls out with Alfred yeah um, Alfred actually leaves because he feels that he he's, he's too far into Batman now yeah. he just can't he he's going to get himself killed basically yeah, you don't want to be there he can't get out and he builds this uh, this dark what I call a dark night machine which allows him to uh, basically listen in on any mobile phone mm. which obviously then he falls out with Lucius over that as well doesn't he um, but yeah watch it you know yeah. rather than me explain it to you watch it because I can't I can't do it justice okay. you're not going to pay me a billion, billion <laughs> what dollars. does this film do great what does it do great um, I think it's great as a as a third act where basically Batman is at the lowest point yeah. in his whole life you know he's lost everything that he ever had um, he's been defeated it's that typical you know in it yeah the third like, act yeah, like you know where everything's gone wrong that could go wrong and then he, he's kind of obviously Dark Knight Rises takes its name from him getting out of the prison but also maybe him re- yeah re- it makes re- sense well maybe re- rediscovering himself well, well, he's, at the, he's at the lowest point of his life when yeah. he's in prison because he, he, the only way you can go is up isn't yeah because really? he, he sees in the prison he he has a he has this whole fight when he's he's not trained for eight years and what yeah. he has this fight with Bane and he basically gets his ass kicked yeah. and he, he gets his back broken gets sent to the prison and Bane says that he doesn't want the reason why he doesn't kill him is because he wants him to suffer and yeah. there's a TV there's a TV monitor showing news what's he, happened he that wants him to see his beloved city basically tear itself apart knowing that he can't do anything yeah. about it and that to him is is pain and really. so after seeing that he he, he starts yeah. training he gets his back uh, there's a doctor there he puts yeah. his vertebrae back in starts training and after a couple of try missed uh, attempts yeah he, he finally gets out yeah and he goes back and yeah I, I'd, I'd agree that the Dark Knight Rises because there's, there's a thing with that as well is the first two attempts of climbing he's got a rope which yeah. is a safety net his last attempt which he makes he does it free because it's almost like you've got to have no fear to yeah. be able to and the doctor explains yeah. that doesn't he yeah. yeah you've got to it's almost you've got to presume you're already dead before to be able to do mm. it it's like the rope's holding you back yeah, isn't it exactly. but yeah and I, I think as well I like um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt yeah spoiler alert he he is Robin in this even though he's, <laughs> he's John Blake yeah I think he's, he's really good and I like that he doesn't chuck it. it it's only revealed at the end that he is Robin yeah um I like I, I like the plot. I like the story of the movie. I think it's good. I think so, in some places it can stall a bit. You know, it's a bit it's stop a bit and start. Slower, isn't it? Yeah, some of the other ones. It's not as well um, executed. Um, it's just not as slick as it is the no. as the other two. It does feel rushed. I must yeah. admit, you know. But obviously, 
the, the situation with with Heath Ledger and whatnot. Yeah. I think that the once again the the start of the of the film is amazing. I yeah. think it gets you right into the action. It's a very unique sort of um, almost like a, a I can't even describe it. It's like they're recapturing Bane, but it's this plane takes out another plane in midair. It, it's just wild watching. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's it's amazing. It yeah. probably kicks you into the film. Um, I like that they still explore the the whole. They they show a, a different side to Bruce Wayne that we haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, Bruce Wayne, no matter what, he he will always fight for Gotham. He loves Gotham. He he, he feels mm. like he has to tend to them. But in this, he's like like we said previously, he's a hermit and he doesn't really care. Um, maybe that's because obviously during the events after it's that PTSD or whatnot. I think Selena Cole and uh, Anne Hathaway. I know we both said that we didn't ever see her in that type of role and well surely uh, surely have been in sort of romantic comedy yeah. films and so yeah you, you you don't you wouldn't immediately think yeah it's Catwoman and Hathaway no but yeah she makes it work and she obviously tried she put in a lot of training for yeah. the film um, and this is the thing like, we're, we're, it's not a bad movie it's just not well it's yeah. just as unfortunate that the Batman Begins the Dark Knight yeah. came before it it's not as well executed. The story's a bit hit and miss, but overall, I think it's a. At least it it, it is an ending, isn't it? Yeah. It's an ending, a surefire ending. Yeah. It has a little twist at the end, which won't give away. But yeah, I think it's a very competent movie, and I think it's. I'm I'm glad it happened because it it very well not yeah. not have happened. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I think uh, once again, I think Tom Hardy's the standout character yeah. in this. He's yeah, he's brilliant yeah. as Bane, but yeah. Oh, we also see the return of Killian Murphy as well. Oh, we as, do, yeah. Uh, the Scarecrow. Scarecrow, he's like the judge. He yeah. gets about one minute of screen yeah, time. Yeah, he does, yeah. He's probably got a fat, <laughs> fat paycheck yeah. for it, but, no, you know. Why not? But, you know, very good film. And, and with this trilogy, I think you have to watch all the movies, don't yeah. you? You can't yeah. watch one and not the other, so, yeah. All right. Moving on to our final yeah. film. I, I don't know. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice 2016. So this is four years after... Um, although not really direct sequel no. to um, to the Dark Knight trilogy, it's more like a soft yeah. soft reboot almost. It's written by David S. Goyer. It's directed by Zack Snyder. It stars Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, Batman. Henry Cavill reprises his role from Man of Steel as Superman. Uh, introduces Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, <laughs> Amy Adams returns as Lois Lane and Jeremy Irons, the great Jeremy Irons uh, himself, legend himself yeah. Alfred with, with Alfred, you're always going to get like a legendary British yeah. actor in, aren't you? That's yeah. how it is, isn't it? You have yeah. to. Um, so it's been nearly two years since Superman's colossal battle with Zod devastated the city of Metropolis. The loss of life and collateral damage left many feeling angry and helpless, including crime-fighting billionaire Bruce Wayne. Convinced that Superman is now a threat to humanity, Batman embarks on a personal vendetta to end his reign on Earth, while the conniving Lex Luthor launches his own crusade against the Man of Steel. So yeah, this is basically Batman taking on Superman. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> in June 2013, Warner Brothers announced that director Zack Snyder and screenwriter David S. Goyer again would return for a Man of Steel sequel, with the studio considering the release for the, f- for the film in 2015. The following month, Snyder confirmed at San Diego Comic Con International that the follow-up to Man of Steel would feature Superman and Batman meeting for the first time on film. 
Guy and Snyder would co-write the story with Guy authoring the script despite saying in 2006 that a Batman v Superman film is where you go when you admit to yourself that you've exhausted all possibilities, an admission that this franchise is on its last gasp. And Christopher Nolan involved in an advisory role as executive producer. According to Snyder, the film would take inspiration from the comic The Dark Knight Returns. In November 2013, Snyder clarified this film would not be based upon the aforementioned graphic novel. If you're going to do that, you would need a different Superman. We're bringing Batman into the universe that now this Superman lives in. Batman v Superman marks the first appearance of Wonder Woman in a live-action theatrical film, which Warner Brothers had been developing as far as back as 1996. In December 2013, Chris Torrio was hired to rewrite the script due to Goya's commitments to other projects. Further commenting on the influences, Torrio revealed in an article published by the Wall Street Journal that the movie would draw inspiration from Nolan's Batman trilogy. Italian semiotical semiotician Umberto Eco's 1972 essay The Myth of Superman and the WH Auden poem Musée de Beaux Art, which contrasts the <laughs> the quotidian quotidian details of normal people's lives with the epic struggles of mythological figures we all yeah we, that's what we all think about it <laughs> according to him in superhero stories Batman is Pluto god of the underworld and Superman is Apollo god of the sky that began to be really interesting to me that their conflict is not just due to manipulation but their very existence the Joker and the Riddler were supposed to appear in the film but Snyder ultimately decided to cut them from the final script yeah, because you don't really want Batman sort of um, villains in a in a crossover film, no, do you? No, Because that kind of then makes it all about Batman, yeah. doesn't it? Um, and with two big personalities, yeah, it just wouldn't work. I can understand what he's saying about sort of Superman being being sort of the light and Batman yeah. being the dark. Um, well, yeah, Superman is the, so is are, the face of hope, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're kind of very, contradic- yeah. very contrasting yeah. yeah Dawn of Justice is Affleck's second film as a comic book superhero he played Daredevil in 2003 film the same name and was initially reluctant to accept playing Batman saying that he felt he didn't fit the traditional mould but once Zack Snyder showed him the concept and that it would be both different from the great movies that Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale made but still in keeping with tradition he was excited Affleck previously stated in 2006 that Daredevil had inoculated him from ever playing another superhero. Is that because it got panned? Oh, yeah, it was, it's <laughs> such a shit film, yeah. It's early Marvel <laughs> still trying to figure out what they're yeah. trying to do. Because in 2002, I believe, yeah. um, this is all part of the Superman saga, that Kevin Smith had actually written a script for Affleck to play Superman. Oh, wow. In a, I think it was um, it was like what would become Superman Returns. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I think it was mod- it was modelled on the death of Superman. Yeah, as well. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So he he was obviously interested in this is before he did Daredevil. Yeah. Which kind of shut all over that. Steiner cast an older Batman to be a layered juxtaposition against a younger Superman, which is interesting, I guess, as well. Yeah. While bearing the scars of a seasoned crime fighter but retaining the charm that he would see that the world sees in billionaire Bruce Wayne. It doesn't really appear a lot as Bruce Wayne in No, it doesn't. None of that playboy kind of that you see in some of the um the Dark Knight trilogy. No. So and he's he's darker as well, he's yeah. brooding. Nolan was involved with the casting of Affleck 
and he was the first actor Snyder approached for the part. The director had also discussed the part with Josh Brolin. Bell admitted he wanted to play Batman again after The Dark Knight Rises, though he stated that his Batman does not belong in any other film, and he was never approached by Warner Brothers to play the role again. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's the right, yeah, yeah, right decision, so, yeah. maybe. On casting Eisenberg <laughs> as Lex Luthor, Snyder offered having Jesse in the role allows us to explore that interesting dynamic and also take the character in some new and unexpected directions. Yeah, we have, we have a certain yeah. we have our thoughts on Jesse Eisenberg, don't we? Brian Cranston was considered for the role before Eisenberg was cat. Yeah. Why not get Spacey to reprise his role? <laughs> Ooh. Spacey, uh, yeah. Producer Carl Charles. Oh, I can see Cran- Brian Cranston. Oh, in Brian Cranston's um, a world class actor. I loved him in that. But would he go with like the shaved head and everyone just think that he was Heisenberg? You know, <laughs> yeah, white. Yeah, maybe. You know, could they see past that? Maybe Breaking Bad, Walton White, yeah, you know, well, crossover. Yeah. Producer Charles Rovin revealed that this incarnation of Wonder Woman would use the character's origins from. 2011's the new 52 reboot of the DC continuity when the character would be a demigoddess and the daughter of Zeus this deviates from the character original origins where she was a clay figure brought to life by the gods Olga Kurilenko was considered for the role of Wonder Woman before Godot was cast Donna Justice is Ray Fisher's feature film debut and the first live action film to feature Cyborg whose role will become more significant in future DC comic films. It's also the live-action theatrical debut of Aquaman. Well, it's not exactly a theatrical debut, is it? Because it's, it's like, what, two seconds of film? <laughs> yeah, it's still a debut, don't <laughs> no, I guess so. <laughs> the casting of Affleck, Godot and Eisenberg was criticised. Affleck's casting caused significant backlash from comic book fans, with multiple online petitions demanding his removal from the role. Unlike previous Batman actors, he was not considered intimidating enough for the role by the protesters. I can see that, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like... Up to that point, his roles, you know. A lot of his stuff, his early stuff, had been sort of comedy, light, romantic stuff. Um, yeah. Whiny bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah? Just, yeah I, f- I think he was still trying to shake off that. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of his later roles, yeah, I suppose by that time, 2000 and... 16 yeah. he, he was more yeah, into the yeah. serious yeah. shit but still like I said he was still yeah, trying still, to yeah controversial I yeah. guess yeah um, conversely Pop Matters journalist JC Matchek III supported Affleck's casting as Batman stating way back when the news was new I wrote a Pop Matters article defending the choice of Ben Affleck as Batman I'll let that one speak for itself via social media fans criticised Godot's small frame in contrast to Wonder Woman's warrior like build in the comics does that mean she hasn't got big enough tits? You yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, you compare it to Linda Carter. Yeah, then uh, no one. No. Beats okay. her, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Responding to this, Goodell stated that she'd been participating in various training regimes to achieve a body that stays close to the source material. Fans also criticised Eisenberg's casting, feeling that the then 30-year-old was too young for the role and not physically imposing enough. Upon the film's release, both Affleck and Goodell received considerable praise for their performances. Mm. I, I noticed there's no uh, Eisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Re- received both Affleck and Goodell received considerable praise for their performances despite the overall negative reception of the film itself. You put a lot on Affleck and Goodell yeah, just to yeah, highlight yeah. it. You know? <laughs> um, hand, Eisen, Jesse Eisenberg is the same in every film. He's that kind of neurotic little nerdy. <laughs> 
you know. Really? Yeah. Oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll get into the, <sighs> the, the roast of him. Okay. Hans Zimmer composed the film score, emphasising the challenge not to reuse the themes he established with the Batman character from Christopher Nolan's trilogy. Junkie XL, who provided additional music in Man of Steel, also returned for this film, helping to compose the theme for Batman. Now, that's, that's a pairing you, you put what, together. Junkie XL and... Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he's a good composer. He did yeah. on Mad Max as well. Originally, Zimmer enlisted Junkie XL to compose the Batman material, with Zimmer planning to focus solely on the Superman side of the score. But the final Batman theme was written by both composers as a collaboration. Zimmer noted that he had significant trouble in finding a new angle from which to tell the story, and after the release of the film, Zimmer announced that he was retired from superhero films. Though he's since retracted this after, <laughs> after being offered a massive paycheck. <laughs> That's allegedly that, obviously. <laughs> the soundtrack album of the film was released on March the 18th, 2016, by Water Tower Music. For those that didn't know, there you go. Yeah. What's how music? Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice premiered at the Auditorio Nacional in Mexico City on March the nineteenth, twenty sixteen. Mexico City is a weird place to. It is, yeah. yeah. And was released in the United States on March the twenty fifth, so six days later, two thousand sixteen, two D and three D premium large formats and seventy millimeter prints by Warner Brothers Pictures. Following a strong debut that set new box office records, the film experienced a historic drop in its second week. End and never recovered. Despite turning the profit, it was deemed a box office disappointment. Again, fucking Warner Brothers. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, he only made two hundred million. That's that's <laughs> and received generally unfavorable reviews from critics for its tone and pacing. Though some praise its visual style and acting performances, particularly from Affleck and Cavill. Well, I actually didn't mind this film. Yeah, I thought it was it's okay. The problem is like what we're saying. Oh, so, sorry. Yeah. It was deemed a box office. It was unsuccessful. No. Like Warner Brothers. Guess how much it made? Five hundred million. It nearly made nine hundred million dollars, <laughs> and they've deemed it. Oh no! It didn't make a billion dollars. So it's... <laughs> that is just oh, ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Warner Brothers. Just, they, oh. they, they stuck to new lows every single day. You know how we feel about yeah. it. Yeah. But you know, I agree with you. I don't. I don't think it was that bad of no. a film. Because obviously this was basically a film to set up the Justice yeah, League. Because originally I think they were planning on doing a Man of Steel two. Yeah. And then it, it they Warner I think and wanted to add Batman in. Yeah. So they'd done a Batman v Superman. Yeah. And then Warner wanted they were like okay no we'll set up Justice League so mm-hmm. we want to bring Gal Gadot in so it was once again Warner. Yeah. Ruining ruining your properties. So you basically got to come up with a story where you can encompass all those characters, yeah. include. Um, Lex Luthor because he's obviously Superman's yeah. nemesis and then you've got to introduce these other new characters and find a way to induce Aquaman Cyborg and the Flash as well so it's, it's you know it, it just doesn't have a sole no, focus does it, it? doesn't no and this is the thing with these DCU I, I know that the DCU films aren't the best but what do you expect is Warner that they just yeah. I don't know what it is about them. Because all they do is they, they so we'll bring in Wonder Woman, then yeah. we can. That's the start of her then story. Yeah. Her, her individual films. We'll show Aquaman because we're bringing out an Aquaman film next year. Yeah. We'll show Cyborg because we're going to spin that off into a another film, and obviously the Flash that's happening. Isn't yeah. It? So, yeah, it's just it's difficult. It's going to be difficult for, a, for to try and have a con. Comp- a cohesive storyline. Yeah. So, um, 
because they kind of have to manufacture this storyline where uh, Batman or Bruce Wayne steals the contents of Lex Luthor's computers, doesn't he? Yeah. And finds these metahumans, aren't they? Yeah. Originally called Facebook humans, now called metahumans. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, which include Aquaman, Cyborg, um, The Flash, and then obviously Wonder Woman as well. Yeah. Um, and he finds Wonder Woman. I believe she steals it for yeah. herself, doesn't she? Um, and essentially uh, Bruce Wayne his, they find a piece of kryptonite don't they yeah. which he uses to fashion like a, a spear, spear yeah. that he's planning on killing Superman yeah. with this thing my, my my main gripe with this film is I think the, they, they they went down the shortcut route of the actual story of why Bruce fights Superman mm. It, the only reason why he fights Superman is because he thinks he's he causes too much destruction. Yeah. For me, that is a bit yeah. bullshit. I think I think Bruce would be better than that. He'd, he'd understand that because he's not exactly the the most no, it's not, no. caring when he's. No. He'd understand that super, that you no know, Clark is just trying to say he saved the world from Zod, didn't he? Yeah. And to do that, it does you have to make sacrifices. Yeah. So I, I don't I haven't always got that storyline, you know. And Luther uses the alien spaceship to create this kind of um, oh, kryptonite, crypt, yeah, kind of um, I don't know what, what do you call so it, mutant sort of. What he does is he takes Zod's body, yeah, because he gains access to it, and he uses the kryptonite, and it's like the pool, isn't it? Yeah. In in, in space, some kind of mutant, and it creates Doomsday. That's right, yeah. Day, yeah, 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 and then because obviously when Superman fights him, he he becomes weakened, yeah, doesn't he? Oh yeah, because he 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 uses this um, it's like a gas, isn't it? It's, yeah. like, a, it's like a kryptonite gas, yeah. but then somewhere along the lo- down the line, S- Superman and Batman team up against Doomsday. Well, they're fighting, aren't they? Yeah, and it's it's it comes down to. Martha, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is Martha is is Superman's adoptive mother, and it turns out that was the same name as Batman's mother yeah. as well. And suddenly they're best mates then. Yeah. <laughs> Does seem that way, yeah. doesn't it? And then they team up to fight Doomsday. Yeah. And so and obviously, obviously with Wonder Woman as well. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it's just a very contrived story. It's like, I think. I think David Goya's original screenplay for this film, I reckon, would be amazing. But when you when you have to accommodate Warner Brothers' mm. needs, because that's what they do, no, no, there's no way this film's going to be executed any no. any better, was it? No, because it's just I I just don't get it. I just don't get it with them. They're, all they do, all they care about is money. Yeah, you know? because like Batman v Superman, it's no contest, is it? We no. know Superman would, yeah. would you know? So you have to weaken Batman somehow to allow him to be sort of fight Batman. Yeah, um, and then in the end of the film, Superman actually dies, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he kills Doomsday. Yeah, but he sacrifices himself in doing mm-hmm. that because obviously Doomsday is made of kryptonite, isn't yeah. he? And he stabs him through the heart. So there's this. Yeah. It kind of just ends with his funeral, and it's over. Because there it? was a storyline, I think, in one of the comic books called "The Death of Superman," yeah. where Doomsday does kill yeah. Superman, and I think that was one of one of the f- sort of failed Superman films was going to follow that that um, 
storyline yeah storyline yeah and another thing as well is, is I just can't look past Jesse Eisenberg it's, no, it's like, no. I, people, I've heard people say he's a world class he's not he's no. not a good actor like you said Jesse Eisenberg is the same guy he's the same guy in Zombieland as he is in fucking this film yeah. in Batman v Superman yeah. as Lex Luthor and just hearing that they would they approach Michael uh, um, Brian Cranston is just it yeah. depresses me because <laughs> he's a world class actor and he's the type of actor you need to portray a I character think, like Lex Luthor I was thinking as well I don't mind Ben Affleck in this film I don't I'm not I wasn't I was never a huge fan of a young Ben Affleck but I think as he's got older he's matured more and okay I mean he's he's maybe phoning it in some of the some of the scenes and things but I think he does make a I good, think he's yeah I think he's a, a great good, Batman a good Batman but like we I think we both agree that he's much more darker much yeah. more dishevelled because um, The Dark Knight Returns is a comic book obviously it took um, inspiration from yeah. this film and um, the film took inspiration from that sorry yeah. and he's much more dark gritty he's come back after 10 years he's older yeah. He's just sick of this shit, yeah. and you can tell, yeah. can't you? Even in his fighting, he breaks yeah. people's arms and whatnot. And I must admit, another thing that really bugs me is the. I don't mind the dream sequences because I think that's quite an interesting yeah. arc. Why does he have, keep on having these dreams? Yeah. But there's a dream where he shoots power demons, and even though it's a dream, just seeing Batman hold a gun, it's just not right. And it's never. <laughs> it's always pissed me yeah. off. But yeah, I think I think the, the main. The thing of this film is it is it explores some good ideas. Mm. Some it ex- sometimes executes some good ideas. The fight between Batman and Superman is also it's always going to be between us two two personalities. Mm. But it's just it falls flat and falls short of a lot of ideas. It's it's set yeah. up, and I think the first half obviously it has to set up everything. It's a bit yeah. rushed, and yeah, the main thing is I just don't agree with with. I don't think they Batman would fight Superman over no. him. Destroying no. half of Metropolis. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a week. Yeah, uh, in the story, a bit weak uh, over that. But to be fair, overall, I yeah. I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's going to be one I'm going to look back. Uh, yeah. Going to go to. It's going to be one that I'm not expecting. You know, the Dark Knight trilogy levels of storytelling, no. but it's just a good action movie, isn't it? It's I mean, it's it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a movie just to kickstart the DC universe and, yeah. and Justice League, really. And it, and it's cool just to see Batman and Superman fight. Yeah. And I, and this, like we said, brute. Um, Ben Affleck puts in a, a good performance as Batman, and I think Henry Cavill always, always yeah. puts in a great performance as Superman, doesn't he? You can, you can. It's unfortunate because you can't quite. It's not until Justice League that you fully see his power, but obviously he's, he's still only just learnt his power at this point, yeah. isn't he? So yeah. you know they do kind of have to nerf him at some yeah. at some points. But yeah, yeah, I think overall this is an enjoyable movie, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And much welcome one really. Anything with Batman and Superman in is going to yeah. be good. So. Cool. Anything else to add? To, uh, to also, you? also, um, I know he had he had trouble trying to distance himself from it or or try and take inspiration, but I think the 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 actual um, original theme to this is amazing. Yeah, it's a brilliant theme. So yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, Hans Zimmer again. Yeah, showing why he's one of the goats. Yeah. Right, you know. Cool. Right. Uh, that's all for today I think um, next week we're going to be covering um, this is going to be part three yeah. of this epic <laughs> seems to be getting more epic <laughs> it's going to be a part four after <laughs> yeah we're going to cover some of the failed attempts to reboot Batman films and maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Justice League Yeah. Um, although it's not really what we consider a Batman film but Oh, we do have some opinions on it. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. And I think we'll also do our 
final rankings yes, of the movies the and the, films, the Batmans rankings. as well. So, um, if you've got any any comments to make, you can get us on Twitter, yeah. Instagram, Facebook. We have a website, thefilmgeezers.com. Um, our handle is at thefilmgeezers on everything. On all the socials. Yeah, so. socials. You can download our podcast. Well, you listen to our podcast, but <laughs> so you know, you know how to get it. <laughs> but we are on Apple, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Good Pods, uh, Podbean, uh, and everywhere that you probably want to get your podcast from <laughs> so I'd just like to thank you for joining us mm, thank you. Um, it's been a long one isn't it but it is yeah it's been longer a than one. we expected yeah. but yeah um, yeah thanks for joining us hope to uh, see you again next week thank Bye-bye. you very much